What up fam, I'm Elena, a certified nutrition coach, personal trainer, and hormone specialist. I'm a former public educator turned holistic fitness coach, and I'm on a mission to disrupt diet culture and educate individuals on how they can heal their gut issues, hormone imbalance, and food relationships caused by chronic dieting, inflammation, and autoimmune or chronic illness. My philosophy for coaching is simple. Eat more, move better, feel amazing, because life is too short to feel like shit. So let's dive in. Hello, hello, what up my dudes? Welcome to another episode of What The Funk. We're talking about one of my absolute favorite topics today, and that is PMS. Dealing with sex hormones, dealing with PMS, and the reason why this is one of my favorite topics is because one, I firmly believe that part of our negative relationships with our periods is not because our periods themselves are horrible, but it's how we're taught to perceive our periods and menstrual health in general. Um, there's a lot of misinformation and miseducation and lack of education um, from a very young age for females and it's frustrating. So it leaves us in the dark. Then we start to have some kind of issues. We get a birth control slapped on us from a very young age and it's still happening, right? It happened to me. It's happened to many of my clients, many other people that I know that I've talked to. And it's a very frustrating situation. Um, and so today I really want to dive in on what are some things that you need to know about your cycle, some cycle basics, what things are normal when it comes to dealing with PMS and what things are abnormal when it comes to PMS and might be an additional sign of, you know, hormone imbalance. Um, even if you're on the pill and you went on the pill to quote unquote rebalance or fix uh, some kind of issue with your reproductive health. Okay. So how does a normal cycle work? Well, there are four phases in a menstrual cycle and a regular menstrual cycle is going to be anywhere from 28 to 32 days. I myself am a solid day 30, like on the money. <laughs> I've got a 30 day cycle, like clockwork. Now it's wonderful. I know exactly when to expect it and what to expect, um, you know, leading up to that. Um, but how a normal cycle works is you have your follicular phase, which is technically the first phase of your cycle. Um, Western medicine has us track our cycles by the first day of our bleed, which is the menstrual phase. But when we actually think about the cycle as a whole, the menstrual phase is actually the end of that cycle. It's that shedding of the uterine lining. Um, so I like to think of my cycle with the follicular phase being actually the start of my cycle. Now, for purposes of tracking a lot of time in like lab work and medical things, we say day one is the first day of your bleed. But if I'm really truly thinking about it, I'm like, okay, phase one in my head is always going to be the first day after menstruation. And your follicular phase is going to be about anywhere from seven to 10 days. Again, this is kind of dependent on where your cycle is, um, how long it lasts, things like that. And some things you need to know about the follicular phase. And I was having a conversation with one of my clients um, about this because she was just like, man, she goes, you know, I get done with my period and I feel like I should feel better. And I'm like, it's normal to still kind of be a little bit low on energy day one, day two. You might not feel fresh as a daisy immediately after menstruating because your hormones are still a little bit on the low side. So now if you're having a regular cycle, you are on, um, not, you are not on birth control. Typically what's happening here is midway through this follicular phase, your estrogen and your progesterone start to kind of rise to a point where you would feel some of that, 
um, energy and things kind of come back from the lack of energy that you might have had during your menstrual phase. Okay. So seven to 10 days, the first couple of days after menstruation, your energy might still be a little bit low. You still might not be able to go as hard in the gym and that's pretty normal, right? That's not unexpected. That's like a natural ebb and flow of our energy. Then the next phase after your follicular phase is your ovulatory phase, which is going to last about three to four days. Now, this is the phase where somebody would be fertile, where you would actually be able to conceive. So if you're somebody that's worried about um, getting pregnant during your cycle, especially if you're not on hormonal birth control, um, starting to track your cycle is a really great way to sort of determine what is my actual fertile window. Those are only about like a three to five day window in which you can actually conceive if you have a regular cycle. Um, and there's many ways to do this. Um, my personal favorite way is to track using my basal body temperature. I also opt for sometimes an LH test, you know, every two to three months during my ovulatory window, just so I can further improve my data collection for my own purposes. Um, and this is where your estrogen and, and progesterone and your testosterone are at peak levels. So this is going to be the height of your energy. Um, you're going to likely have a higher sex drive because this is your body trying to drive you to essentially procreate because this is where you are fertile. Um, and there might be a small dip in estrogen post ovulation. So after you actually have ovulated because you ovulate on one of the days, but you technically are fertile, um, within a window of time right before and right after that ovulation, that's that why you can have like a three to five day window in which you can actually get pregnant. Um, however, progesterone is still going to continue kind of coming up. So you're likely going to have a decent amount of energy, a decent amount of strength, um, at, during this ovulatory window. Now, after you've ovulated and that egg has dropped, you go into your luteal phase. Now, this is the like sort of this is the longest phase of your cycle. Okay, so this is post ovulation. I like to split this into early luteal and late luteal phase. Okay, so early luteal phase can feel still pretty good energy wise, kind of be similarly treated to ovulation from an energy management standpoint. And I'll kind of get into that here in a second. Um, later on, when we talk about how to kind of help manage PMS a little bit. Um, there's a slightly, there's a, maybe an additional estrogen peak during this sort of late luteal phase. However, five to seven days pre-menstruation, you start to have this now dip and decline in all of your sex hormones, estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. Okay. Um, this is because the body's getting ready to shed that uterine lining. If there has been no implantation, um, during the ovulatory phase, uh, you did not try to conceive things like that. Then you have actual menstruation, which is where estrogen, testosterone, and progesterone are going to be at their lowest. The body sheds that uterine lining. Um, if there is no pregnancy to cue that uterine lining to hold and stay put. Okay. Um, so we have these peaks and valleys of our sex hormones that directly impact our energy levels. So we have this PMS, which is this premenstrual syndrome that people typically experience within that five to seven days before they actually menstruate. And then we go into menstruation and the fun continues. So here's where our concept of periods and what is normal, what is abnormal sort of gets really skewed. So I don't know about y'all, but I was raised during a time where like we would see these commercials and these beautiful women would be floating around on their periods with their skirts, working, hustling, doing sports, doing things. Okay. Where we're almost sort of conditioned to think that we're just supposed to show up day in, day out, 
with the same energy levels, the same focus, the same everything, even though we as females have an underlying cycle, right? Our infradian rhythm compared to like we have our 24 hour clock, which is our circadian rhythm, but we are not going to be the same from day to day because of this inherent infradian rhythm, this 28 day cycle that we also are dealing with, right? That's just part of our biological makeup. Um, and so we've sort of like said, okay, well, I've got to push through. I'm not supposed to talk about it. My period shouldn't impact anything, blah, blah, blah. And to a degree, that's correct. Ideally, you're in a situation where your period kind of just shows up. You're not really feeling any kind of crazy symptoms, you know, prior to, and it's not disruptive to the point where you can't continue to show up and do the things for you to do. But that also doesn't mean that you have to completely ignore the fact that you're running on this 28 day cycle and that you just sort of force yourself through to show up on sheer force of will and then end up burning yourself out and feeling like ass. So what are like abnormal things that we've, that we've sort of associated with PMS and actual menstruation? Okay. Uh, vomiting is one of them. Uh, I, for one, have experienced vomiting on a semi-regular basis with my periods, but I have some little special sauce in there in the form of endometriosis, where depending on the severity of my pain, I just might puke. <laughs> but if you don't have any kind of endometriosis, PCOS, adenomyosis, things like that, when you're having a period, you shouldn't be dealing with a lot of vomiting or digestive issues to begin with, right? Even with endometriosis, there are ways to reduce and minimize the impact of your cycle health. And even with PCOS, when you do get a period, there's ways to minimize the amount of symptoms, right? Or biofeedback, negative biofeedback that we experience due to our cycles. Mood swings and anxiety are a huge one. I've worked with several women where that anxiety around their period is really, really heightened. Um, this is likely because they're experiencing estrogen dominance, which can occur from multiple pathways. And I'm going to do another episode on estrogen dominance down the road, um, specifically estrogen dominance, because that's a really big topic of conversation. And it comes up quite a bit just as like a lifestyle consideration for many, many, many people. Um, but severe mood swings, anxiety, irritability, um, to the point where like you are sort of a self-proclaimed bitch during that window before and during your period, but to be honest, your period's not an excuse to either one, behave that way or two, even sort of be feeling that way. Like that shouldn't be causing that much disruption to the way you feel during that time, right? Um, cramps, once we get into your actual period, cramps that stop you from being able to function. So being in a lot of pain, having to take a lot of ibuprofen or Tylenol or even pain medicine, um, and then getting the period poops where you, if you know, you know, and I'm just going to leave it at that. So maybe like what is normal pre-menstruation? Honestly, what's normal and healthy, it should be pretty minimal. It should be like, I might be a little bit hungrier, right? I might have just a little bit more fatigue, might need just a little bit of extra sleep, might not be able to go as hard in the gym, right? And then once you get to your period, again, maybe just like a little bit of fatigue, a little bit of added hunger and like, a small amount of cramping, but nothing that's like noteworthy. You probably shouldn't even need to like get on some ibuprofen for it. It's just kind of like, oh, cool. It's happening. It's there. <laughs> and then you go on with your day. Right. Um, and, and here's the thing, this happens 
this abnormal symptoms, these severe mood swings, the digestive issues, um, even the severe cramps happen due to hormonal imbalances, right? imbalances in these hormones and the ratios of the hormones, right? We talked about estrogen dominance, having too much estrogen, not enough progesterone and testosterone, um, not enough omegas over the course of your um, cycle, over the course of the weeks and the months to support the correct prostaglandins that can cause a lot of the cramping um, and digestive issues. Um, and then also not enough energy management throughout the month socially professionally or with your movement routine. So you're constantly pulling from a well of energy that you don't have to give. So like, right, we talked about during that late luteal phase into menstruation, energy might dip a little bit because of those hormones starting to take a downturn and maybe having a little bit more hunger. Well, what ends up happening is people go, I'm just going to have to be hungry. I'm going to continue to stick with my nutrition plan or what have you. Um, and then they're also like, well, I need to just push through because I have these deadlines and I said yes to all these things and I'm, and you're not giving yourself any buffer time. You're like borrowing energy from your next cycle phases that you technically would have more energy. But if you're constantly borrowing from that pool, you eventually burn out and you crash and your body compensates through these rounds of negative biofeedback with the mood swings, right? With the digestive issues, with even more fatigue, right? Um, with exacerbated issues with estrogen dominance, which can lead to heightened anxiety, potentially depression, right? Um, and so this is where we run into issues where we don't know enough about our cycles, one, as to why we might be feeling a certain way. Um, one of my clients this morning um, was talking to her and I was so, so, so proud of her because she was just like, you know, I'm starting my period this week and I had a lot of travel this last week and I'm just feeling a little bit more drained. So I have slotted to do these workouts but I'm going to hold that time. And maybe if I need to opt for something else, like doing Pilates or maybe going for a walk during the day that I start my period, I'm going to let myself choose something that's going to be less zapping of my energy, but still allow me to move my body and feel good. And I'm really going to listen to my body. And that's a challenge for people because learning how to tune into our bodies, right? We're again, sort of coach through society, through diet culture to just like show up and shut up. Like we got to show up one way or the other. And yeah, we do, but there's ways to balance, right? Professionally, she had a lot going on with traveling for work previous to her cycle coming up during her late luteal phase. So that means she's aware that during her cycle, she's going to have to give herself a little bit more buffer in the energy department to allow herself to recover and not be miserable during the week of her period. Um, and that's, that's an important conversation to have. Okay. Now, what if you're not having a natural cycle, meaning you're on hormonal birth control of some kind, why do you still get PMS if you're not having the same flow of hormones? Because if you're on hormonal birth control, you're not going to have those same peaks and valleys. That doesn't mean that you can't treat your body energy wise as if you would, because you will get some of that PMS and your periods actually might sometimes be like more brutal when you're on birth control. I've definitely seen that happen because what happens is if you're on the pill specifically, 
that week that you're on your period, there is a massive withdrawal in those exogenous hormones, right? Those exogenous or synthetic hormones from the pill, all of a sudden you're pulling them out of your system. And that big sudden drop and withdrawal of those hormones is what cues your body to shed that uterine lining. And so that's when you would get all of the symptoms that you would get normally. And then what happens is then people come off of birth control, if they're coming off of birth control, and their hormones, their endogenous hormones, you know, the progesterone, estrogen, and testosterone that their body would make naturally are not being made at a rate that they should be created at. <laughs> and they're not running on the same cycle that they should be running at. So again, there's that imbalance of hormones where they're the, either the amounts or the ratios between them are off. And that's what's cueing those additional PMS symptoms and negative symptoms during their period. So even with an IUD, technically you're still going to ovulate with an IUD because of how it's delivered. And it's usually a different type of synthetic progesterone. There's different types of, of synthetic progesterone and estradiol that are in um, hormonal birth control. It just depends on like what, what pill you're on. But what happens is that with the IUD, you have suppressed progesterone production, which leads to estrogen dominance. And that estrogen dominance is what can exacerbate the mood swings, the gut discomfort, the cramps, things like that. And typically you're also, when you're on hormonal birth control, hormonal birth control, you're also zapped of more nutrients because of the medication. So your body's already running on less nutrients than it should be getting. So you need to make sure you're filling in the gaps through nutrition, make sure you're getting a multivitamin, maybe a really solid magnesium supplement in the mix. Um, and that's, again, those imbalances are what lead to the PMS. So how do we get around this? Okay. One of the things that I love to do to help support people with PMS, and we're not even going to talk about supplements beyond just getting a really solid multivitamin, a really solid EPA, DHA, fish oil, and maybe a magnesium supplement. Um, those are all great. I will put some links down below. And if you're not taking any kind of supplement and you need a great place to start, that's a great place to start is I want you to start just tracking your cycle and track your moods during like that week prior to your period and see kind of like what you experience. Keep an eye on your energy levels. Um, and the other thing I want you to be mindful of is how much you're committing yourself to socially and professionally during maybe the week of menstruation or the week leading into menstruation. Are you looking at your calendar and going, oh, I've got free time for people to book me up for things. Cause if you're just like letting yourself get booked up regardless and not being protective of your time, that's going to drain your energy really, really fast. I've said this before and I'll say it again, just because you have it open on your calendar doesn't mean you're available. And if you're not protecting yourself with buffer time, that's going to be a drain on you physically, but that's also going to be a drain on you mentally, right? And that's going to exacerbate any potential mood swings you might have or irritability or anxiety, right? Um, so that's number one. I want you to start just being aware of your mood, your energy levels, and what you're socially and professionally committing yourself to. Now, if you, obviously, right, you guys might be in a situation where your job requires you to be out and be doing things during that week of your cycle, and that's fine. Like, right, the world is not going to revolve around our periods. We, But we 
have a responsibility to be aware of that and then go, hmm, I know that this is about when I'm going to get my period. I know I have all these things on my calendar. So the week prior, I'm going to really make sure I give myself some downtime or even the week after, right? Can you build in some buffer time for you from a physical and mental energy standpoint um, to give yourself again, you're borrowing against that energy. Can you give it back to yourself somewhere else in your cycle, right? Just because you have the time available doesn't mean that you're available to be booked. You have to make yourself a priority in how you're managing your time and your energy, okay? Um, so that's managing your energy. And then the additional thing into managing your energy is also looking at your workouts. Now, I'm not saying cycle-based training is for everybody. There's some people where cycle-based training, you're not consistent enough in a routine to begin with, or your workouts are not so uh, taxing that it would make sense. But if you're somebody, you're in the gym three to four days a week, you're lifting decently heavy, maybe you're doing more high-intensity workouts on a more consistent basis, hopefully balanced with really solid nutrient intake and recovery, right? Because if you work hard, you got to rest hard. Um, start looking at what your workouts you're doing over the course of your cycle. A lot of times during somebody's late luteal, that premenstrual phase and into menstruation, I recommend as a general rule, people can kind of back off on intensity or swap out activities. So I might not be going to spin during the week of my period, but I might be doing a yoga session in my living room instead. And then I'll do an extra spin class maybe during ovulation when I have more physical energy to give of myself for that. And I'm balancing out that way, right? And people go, well, what about this one week? And I didn't check the boxes this week. I'm like, if you're on a journey you're looking at multiple weeks over multiple months to get you from point A to point B and showing up consistently to a behavior of movement is better than going hard and then crashing and burning. I would rather you be mindful of your energy expenditure as a consistent concept, even if it ebbs and flows a little bit over the course of the month in line with your cycle, right? Versus going hard, going home, hitting a wall. And then the week of your period, you literally can't do anything at all, right? That's even worse because you've asked too much of your body, maybe for too many weeks, too many months in a row, and you haven't given yourself a balanced, uh, approach to your movement intensity. I always tell people consistency wins out over intensity always. And I'll say that again, consistency wins out over intensity always. I would rather you show up with a little less intensity if it means that you can show up consistently than try to go hard, go home, and then hit a wall and crash and burn, right? So those are my lifestyle, mind, being mindful of your energy, your moods, being mindful of where your time is going and being aware of how much energy and what types of choices you're making for movement and how intense that movement is in line with your cycle. And that's something that you can do even too. Like if you're a runner, you can amend your runs during that week of your cycle or right leading up to your cycle compared to the rest of the week. And people will think, well, why would I do that? Well, do you want to keep dealing with PMS? And so those are some really great lifestyle and movement considerations to make to help manage PMS. 
In addition to obviously filling in those nutrient gaps, making sure you're getting in plenty of fiber, plenty of green vegetables, lots of, um, you know, good omega filled foods like nuts, seeds, salmon, things like that, that should be done regardless. But those things will also really, really help with your period. I talked about prostaglandins earlier. So we want to support PGE two, which is antispasmodic. And the way that we support PGE two is by getting enough omegas into our diet over the course of time. So eating more nuts, eating more seeds, getting, you know, supplementing with a uh, EPA, DHA that's really, really solid. Again, I'll link my favorite one from Nutrigine down below. Um, but that's where I would recommend starting to help manage and reduce your PMS because ideally your period just kind of shows up and you're like, okay, cool. That was no big deal. I didn't feel like shit the week leading up. And then you get your period and it's just sort of like, oh, cool. It's there. I can still kind of, I can still go about my day and I'm not being disrupted and it's not changing how I face the world, but it might mean just shifting around how you approach your own choices over the course of the month. But your period is your responsibility. And we have a responsibility to take care of our bodies in this way if we're being faced with this abnormal PMS. So that is it for today's episode, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, if you have any questions on any of this, feel free to send me a DM. And if you're wondering where to start with your hormone or gut health journey, you don't really know sort of what direction to go in. I have a free quiz that I will leave in the show notes below, or you can DM me the word quiz and I will drop it to your inbox on Instagram. Um, that will just kind of shed some light on what might be going on. Is it your adrenals? Is it maybe your thyroid? Is it estrogen dominance, right? Or do you maybe have leaky gut syndrome? What might be going on under the hood and where is a good starting point? Where do you even start with this stuff? So I've got a free quiz for you. If that is where you are sort of stuck on your journey, you've listened to this and you went, hmm, I think I need more answers. The link will be in the show notes below or just DM me quiz and I'll send that your way. All right. Thank you everybody so much for being here. I appreciate you all. I will catch you on the next one. Thank you so much for tuning into the What The Funk podcast. Be sure to leave a rating and a review and don't forget to take a screenshot. Tag me on Instagram. My handle is at elena.m.fit. I would love to hear what you want to hear on the podcast. I do respond to DMs. I would love to talk with all of you. I'm so excited for you being here today. Thank you so much for the support and I will see you next time. Just a quick disclaimer for the information found in the What the Funk podcast. I am not a licensed medical professional, mental health professional, or registered dietitian. The advice and recommendations given out on this channel and on this podcast are not intended to diagnose or treat any kind of medical condition or mental health condition. If you do think you have a medical condition, please speak with your medical provider. Please consult your medical provider before implementing any kind of supplement regimen or exercise regimen or nutrition regimen into your lifestyle, as well as be aware that listening to this podcast does not constitute a coach-client relationship. Thank you guys so much.